is Dina Saunders-Green, and you're listening to Formally Fostered, brought to you by Green Pines Media. This is a podcast about foster care and children's mental health services, and sometimes the juvenile justice system, mainly because there's a lot of intersection between the three. We give emancipated youth and their allies a place to share their truth. Welcome to episode eight of Formerly Fostered. In this episode, we'll be hearing the second part of a three-part interview with a woman who is an advocate for families who've been involved with the child welfare system, as well as children's mental health. She's also someone whose own child was detained by CPS about 10 years ago. If you haven't done so already, I strongly recommend that you listen to episode seven to get caught up. So as I've been doing podcasts, I'm starting to realize that sometimes I give way too much commentary. So for this particular episode, I'm going to ease up on that a little bit and just kind of let her tell her story. Also, this episode does contain some strong language, so it may not be appropriate for children or people with sensitive ears. Later down the line, the husband has several children. These grandkids, so they're not really blood, blood, you know, but marriage associated. And we call them what they are. They're grandkids, you know. They, somebody and somebody got attracted to each other. Then they started having intercourse. Then this got spread amongst the circle of children in, in the house, which spilled on out into the school, which had started an investigation. All right. So then... I came, my daughter started stealing her medicine, taking it, and, uh, you know, I do, I, I would do counts because I ain't, I was just on it, you know what I mean? Like, do counts, pill counts, and, you know, she was so, I guess she didn't know that I didn't let you know, you know, well, I'm gonna let you know. So, you know, so she was taking five, six at a time, and this was, was both scary and, uh, on many levels because I didn't know if it was she was taking it and overdosing or are you taking it and giving it to kids at school? I don't know what you're doing, but I do know it's missing. So one day, I got so pissed off, I, I beat me some Patel. You know what I mean? Like, mm, you gonna, I done told you, da da da, and you still up in here and you finding my, my hiding spot. So you looking for this. You watching me? You know, so I'm getting like, oh, you're doing too much, little girl. So, I, so we go and uh, we start telling Susie, you know, my mom did it, da 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 So now she's really tuned in to what you're saying. Another incident happened where, that incident that happened where I beat her butt, when she told Susie and they wait, you know, they talked about it for about a week or two and then, Susie and her decided they need to go tell the nurse that this occurred or whatever. We getting back in. And so, uh, you know, so now it's it's being watched and documented, but nobody has moved into action yet, right? So one of the kids, grandkids, caught wind or saw for her own eyes that my daughter and Susie was coming up out of such and such's office and she asked, what's going on? What you doing? And telling about my mama. You know what I mean? My mama did such and such. She was like, 
you know, you was wrong. You don't tell nobody what your mama did, you know what I mean? You don't tell your business raised the same way. What, what we do in here, you don't come and tell the teachers up here. And so, uh, but then you got Susie. This is okay. Tell it. And you know, and so, you know, but Susie don't know. You get removed, okay? If it's deemed that bad. Your family is going to get broke up, okay? You might not see your mama no more. You don't, you don't know that flip side of the story. So she comes home and she tells, you know, your daughter told such and such and such and such. I'm like, what? Well, let me give you something to tell. So this particular day, I probably shouldn't have did nothing because as I'm in action, I became enraged. And um, that left her a big old bruise. And then so now uh, when I saw, you know, that that's what it was, I was like, okay, we're going to hold you back. They won't go to school. Her mind is already on get you mode. So it didn't matter what I was doing. That story's going to get told as soon as I get back. So, you know, weekend passed by. We let you go. Okay, you walk right over there to the office and sh show them your body. Well, of course, the ball rolling. So now here we are with the DHS. Now they up the schools that they're involved and, and everything. But she still comes home. Nobody took her, sent her right on home. But this is your, you, you starting this investigation. So eventually a, a criminal investigator did show up to the home. Mind you, this other thing is still looming with this other set of kids and, and problem too now with mines. And so now we got sexual, now we got abuse. So we just, but everybody's still in the house and nobody got removed. I don't know what practice that is. This time, when she told it, and you know they sent the investigator, and he did his little interview, and interviewed everybody in the house, and probably about a day or two later, the DHS worker came to be to introduce, and da 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 da. But by this time, I was up to here with it. So when she came, I was like, "Oh, you coming to get her? Is that what you you need a suitcase?" You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's where I'm at with it. Want to get involved? Good. Since, since you're here and since you're involved, this is what I've been having a problem with. I need to get her into a facility. I haven't been able to do it on my own. I need to, she's only been able to see a psychiatrist, but she needs way more than that. If you guys get involved, can you guys help regulate her medicine? Can you have her reevaluated? Can she be, uh, da 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 da? That's what I'm going to need you for. Since you want to get involved, I'm going to use you. Okay, and do what I couldn't do as a parent out here in this Oklahoma system. Okay, so something's going to move good, and yes, and if I'm, I'm going to be the sacrifice, that's all right. You know what I mean? I need her to get what she need to get. They weren't ready for me on that level. They was like, what? You want her to go? You know, I'm like, she needs help. You understand what I'm saying? She killing cats, dogs, standing on people, cutting on herself, stealing medicine. You know, yeah, she needs some help. She needs something beyond what I'm able to do. I recently had a discussion with a marriage and family therapist who also worked with kids in the foster care system. We talked about our frustration with the fact that there just aren't very many preventive services out there to help families who are struggling to parent their kids. We both had the same question. If low-cost or free services were offered to families ahead of time, would that have a significant impact on the number of kids going into the foster care system? 
definitely something to think about. Do your investigation. Do your criminal stuff. Oh, I got to go do a walkthrough. Oh, I got to go get fingerprinted. Fine. What you going to do to help my kid since you all up and through my shit and my business? What you going to do? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm desperate. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, it ain't a good thing that happened, but it's a good thing if this going to get her back on track. Like I said, I'll be the sacrifice. I did what I did. So it is what it is, you know. So they was like not ready for that. A couple of days later, we're going to have you do your walkthrough, all right? You're now, what is get, a walkthrough when they Well, you don't it? get arrested, but you get the charge. Just the process it takes to, to book and fingerprint and then up out of there. So I never made it to a jail cell. But in the meantime, in between that, I was doing housing, getting on these lists and on the section. It was trying to move to Section 8. And also in the process, I found out the lies continued. My background of 12 years of medical, my certificates and all my experience mattered not in Oklahoma. Whether I was certified or licensed, each state doesn't recognize the next one. State, you got to retrain or re go back to school or do it all over again. That's or if right. you do take it, you have to test and then, but you got to wait for that test because it's certain months that they do it and don't do it. And so go find you a job. It's something mediocre or something all outside the box altogether while you're playing this game. We need licenses for everything medical here. I don't know what you've been told. You don't just get to jump up and think you go get hold a position here. Oh, you didn't get told that? Well, now you know. Every time I look at this person, I'm like, you just manipulated my life. And and you did it so plain face. Like, who me? You really just did a injustice to me and my family. I could have sent my daughter to my mama. I could have probably buckled down and dealt with one of those other family members on her other side and maybe see how they could have been more instrumental. Being in my situation where I'm just trying to wrap my mind around trying to get 25 hours and I'm so caught up in that questioning or calling ahead and, and hey, is there applying ahead for a position or asking what's your situation in the health field believing miss lvn who told me i'm good to the go you know and i'm like she ain't got no reason to lie that's my friend <laughs> i wish she would have just just told the truth you know up in my house it's falling apart i don't really have it all together I really want to see your daughter and the kids want to see her because they miss her. And I really want to see you, friend. But, you know, I, I want to tell you, yeah, you know, let her stay. And, of course, as a friend, I'll step up to the plate because you're not doing so well. But in all honesty, neither am I. And rather than to bring you and your daughter into my mess, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say not at this time. And uh, and these are the real reasons why, you know, my me and my husband on the verge of divorce. I got the grandkids here because they mama don't got they stuff to her stuff together. I had to bring in this man because he's my source of income. I still got a gambling problem. Just tell your truth and then let me make a decision. But when that was taken away, my 
my right to choose was also taken away. And that's not what friends do. A real friend just laid out there and this is what it is and you still want to come and be a part of the crazy? Well, at least I told you. I took it and flipped it. I was like, okay, I can't get my medical, but I still got talent in these hands. So I was braiding hair and became a mobile hair braider because I wanted to learn Oklahoma. And that was my way of learning Oklahoma was to drive to the people wherever city they were in in Oklahoma. That way I got to learn, oh, I can move here. I can move there. Oh, it's not so bad. Oh, that's what this looks like. Okay. Oh, this is where my people at. Oh, hey. It's not where they at. Oh, you know? <laughs> You know, so, you know, so it gave me the opportunity to learn Oklahoma and I met a few good people along the way. Daughter's out the home now. Well, I'll roll it back. Another thing that uh, happened and occurred was after the investigator came, the quote unquote friend brought uh, me and my daughter into her room along with the, her kids, not the grandkids, it's her kids, and was like, A, B, and C has happened such and such and such has occurred. This is what you've done. And once it was all said and done, she said to my 11-year-old child, and I'm going to have to actually leave my home. So was I supposed to watch my daughter take her little hobo pack and walk out the door? Was I supposed to be a part of that? I didn't even know that was coming out of her mouth. I was like, oh, what? So that means you're asking me to go, right? That's what you're saying, right? But then she told her, I said, it wasn't meant for me. Well, how do you separate who you, I will beat your ass up in here. Who you talking to? That's where the line was drawn from that day forward with her and I. I ended up leaving here and going to the Salvation Army shelter. And apparently the DHS, somebody came back to look for us. And she told them where we went. And they came up there. And another set of police wanted to see my daughter's body. Officers held me back. And another officer and this worker went off into a room, saw what they needed to see. And they was like, okay, bam, we're going to take her. I was like, okay, here is her file. Here's a big old blue bin. Here's her bag of medicines. Off they go, and then uh, I got her blowing my phone up to I'll be damned, and she want me to come back to her house. She don't want me to stay in the shelter. My things are still there. You want to talk? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I come back for a second, see what's going to fly out your mouth. I, I really want to, I think I'm going to be laying some hands. I think I might be going to jail today. Come back, and she talking, and it just sounds like womp, 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 womp. I don't think I can get away from you or this situation quick enough. So I just take off in my car. Take this car, I'm finna run into some houses. You know, I'm finna tear some stuff down. I'm like, I'm not, I'm in the I don't give a fuck mode at this point in time. My kid is gone. To me, not only what I've done, but you are one of the reasons. Your main reason, as far as I'm concerned. She talks about being so grief-stricken over having lost her child and now being homeless that she actually considers going back to the house and inflicting bodily harm on whoever she comes across. Adult, child, it didn't matter. And that bothered her because these were kids that she had actually considered to be part of her family.
Instead of going back to the home, she calls a friend in California. Here's what that friend had to say. You ain't gonna like what I got to say, but this is gonna save you and a whole lot of other people. Take yourself to the, the nearest hospital and you tell them, this don't mean that you are, but you tell them, I fear that I'm about to do self-harm. Go check in now. So I probably him to hold for about another hour, you know. And I just left when I went to the hospital, I told them what she said, and then they was like, you know, 72 hour right. eval. And then in, in that time, I met some women. It turned into a week, actually. So she spent some time talking about her extended stay at the hospital and that she recognized that there definitely were some issues that hadn't been addressed. The biggest issue was the fact that she and her children had been the victims of a very violent crime. And while she had gotten some counseling for her children, she had never received counseling after the incident for herself. Now, out of respect for her privacy, I didn't cover that particular incident in this interview, but it is definitely important to note that all of the things that were happening to her and her family, this wasn't happening in a vacuum. She goes on to talk about why she had never received therapy. Because the, you know, the, I guess the mindset was the taboo of black people, you know, um, see psychiatrists and nervous breakdown, what is that? And, you know, so it was so taboo that it was a white folks thing. When you get to a point where you don't care if you touch another person's child, that's a problem. Children that's calling me your aunt, that's a problem. I didn't care if you knew me. That's how flipped I was. You don't know me like you think you know me. That was the enraged me, the insane me. Yeah, that was like, it was going to be a lot of hurt people. But yeah, that call was, was just what God ordered. So in there, I met some ladies, and one in particular. And she was like, call this one and say that. And you said you came here from what? Oh, you got a domestic? You, do you got some paperwork? You could get on the Attorney General's protection because you could get into a shelter as soon as you get up out of here. I was like, oh. This woman helped her with resources that she wasn't even aware of. Resources that would be vital as she attempted to get back on her feet. She also spent some time talking about her case plan, things that she would need to do in order to get her daughter back. Parent classes and uh, compliant with this and that. So, you know, you got five people and this one is this condition and that one is this and this is the social worker. So it's like, do A, B, and C so you can get your kid back. Like I said, I had applied to these housing places. Well, the court system, the housing system, the police system is so interconnected out there that they knew about my walkthrough before I even got the call to say, hey, I experienced something, or before I could even decide, I'm not gonna say a word. They was already like, uh, we dropping you from this list because of A, B, and C. Oh, they gave it back, that's nice, but we can't have that here. So CPS has still got my kid, and she's doing better, okay. and she's getting the, the structure, and she's getting her routine of things, and she's regulated now, and things are, seemingly where we call normal now, you know, but she's also developed some new things now. So she's not ADD anymore or ODD. She was too uh, labeled. Uh, now she's got these manic traits and then eventually she became uh, bipolar and then bipolar volatile. And so she just kept progressing. 
One of the things that you they tell you as a parent is she could be here for up to a year. At that point, before that comes, you, you may be compliant where we can return her back into the home and you guys go on your merry way or she may not be well and may need to stay. In the instance that her stay puts you over that year, you have to make a decision as a state. We have to decide, does she become a ward of the state so we can continue on with her care? Or does she go back to you? I was like, okay, so these are the things you got to consider. So if he becomes a ward of the state, what does that mean? That means you have to sign legal documentation and paperwork that says you relinquish your rights as a parent. Damn, that's a big ass pill to swallow. So I'm, you know, I'm like, what do I do? You know, because I'm like, well, do you guys have a house? Because this is what happened. You know, do you guys got places for us where we can restart and build? And they're like, no, we could tell you our resource, A, B, and C, but we don't have no guarantees. So you're saying I can have her back because I've done what you require me to do. And you're okay that we go to a shelter? Because that's pretty much where we are. We're not from here. Do you help us go back home? Um, you know, can you relocate me back? Maybe I'll go to L.A. Come my mom, you know. But then I'm like, I'm not. I'll put this burden on my mama, you know, man. It wasn't even consideration. They want to give her back. But I don't have a place to live and they're okay with that. That's not okay with me. I could do the shelter. I'm a grown woman, but I'm not going to have my kid doing the shelter. That's just not going to happen. So here, wherever she was, seems to be stable. She's regulated because she's doing better. And over here where I'm at, I'm not stable. So uh, the next meeting, I was like, I'm going to go inside those papers. They was like, what? You just going to give your daughter a I was like, you guys are going to continue on with the mental care that she needs, right? Like. Once I sign over, she's still going to get that help, right? Or is that not what's going to happen? They're like, no, she's still going to get that. I was like, okay. And you guys did say that you guys don't have housing for us and you can't help us in that area, right? Yes, we did say that. I was like, okay. And you guys said that you can't help me relocate and go back so I can be build and start someplace fresh, right? No, we can't. I was like, okay. So what am I left with? Okay, so they all looked at each other. They didn't know. They had never experienced nothing like me and probably never have again. And they was like, well, okay. These choices that aren't really choices. You damned if you do and you damned if you don't. But some people will be like, I'm going to keep my kids with me no matter what. And then you jack your kid up mentally, even with that. No, no way should a kid be talking about the car that they slept in or the shelter that had too many people or did somebody did some other violation while you was in the shelter because your eyes couldn't be everywhere at one time, you know, or this new exposure to some stuff that you ain't been exposed to because everybody coming, it's like a hospital too. Everybody coming there with their crap. It's a bit much. So from age 11 to the age 18, she was in the DHS Oklahoma system. They raised her and they didn't give her life skills. They didn't teach her anything about being a young lady. They didn't teach her about how to change a pad. They just give you here 
Here you go. You can choose a pepper. You can choose a pad. And this is what you do. You know, that health education. But the in-betweens of real hygiene, this is how you should hygienically be cleaning yourself. For the first year, I had to be manipulative because uh, what I asked for in the request of uh, was that, first of all, the person in prison have no contact at any given time. But what happened was, even though we were protected by the Attorney General and in that program, which got violated, because once you enter into the system, they they contact all family members. So he ended up getting contacted and then knew the business about, you know, we had moved to a state where he wasn't supposed to know we were there. So earlier in the interview, I mentioned the fact that she and her children were the victims of a very violent crime. And while I won't be discussing the details of that particular incident, I did think this was important. When a child goes into the system, both parents have the right to be contacted so that they know what's going on. Well, what happens when one of the parents, in this case the father, was a perpetrator of a very violent crime? Well, he still has his parental rights, so he was contacted. She spent some time talking about her frustration with the system and the lack of communication between agencies. And then we spent quite a bit of time talking about some of the challenges that her daughter faced while she was under state care. But that is a discussion that we'll save for episode nine. Thank you for listening to Formally Fostered. You can subscribe to us by going to Apple Podcasts or follow us on SoundCloud. Feel free to leave a comment or email us at info at So until next time, have a good one.